Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. Heading into week 10 of the NFL games. I'm excited to bring you some. Get you on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Woo! We're heading into the 10th week of the season. Ton of buys this week. It's brutal particularly for me because I've got two quarterbacks in my super flex league in my home league who happen to be Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. I know, cry me a river. Still, it's painful. So we have last year's two Super Bowl participants out this week and a pretty major bye week, actually. We've got a couple of the next couple of weeks, including all the way through week 13, which is pretty late. For those Chiefs and Kelsey fans, you can only hope Swift continues to make some more appearances because his game splits with her in attendance versus not are stark. It's incredible. I'm sure it has nothing to do with anything, but it is pretty amazing. Okay, let's jump in here uh, as for kind of general fantasy, general tidbits. Headline of the week, I saw this weekend will be the 10th rookie quarterback to start in an NFL game, which is an all-time record. That got me thinking. When you look around, it's, it's illuminating. CJ Stroud has been far and away the best rookie quarterback in several years. And he's still got some room to grow to become a great quarterback on the same par as, as some of the best in the league right now. But he's been outstanding through his his eight games. Obviously an amazing game last weekend. Anthony Richardson showed tremendous raw talent. Maybe too aggressive to ever develop into a stable kind of 17-game starter type, though. Throws his body around, takes hits, thinks he's a linebacker out there. He's not quite a linebacker. He's not in that Cam Newton 255, 260 range, 6'5". It's a little bit smaller than that. And he just seems to take on some big hits. So he got injured. he's been injured twice. And obviously he's now out for uh, like the rest of the season or is out for the season. Uh, then you got uh, Bryce Young, who just may be too small to last, but he's clearly got talent. Solid there. And then you go into the lower rounder undrafted types. You got Will Levis, who's second rounder, so not crazy low, but he looked poised through two games. You got Tyson Fangent as one of the better stories. He's starting tonight. So far, he looks like a quality backup type, but it's early. Aiden O'Connell, the Purdue guy, is intriguing. Looked awesome in the preseason. Looked pretty good this past weekend. And then you got the what I would call the not ready, but we had to throw you in there types. And that's Jaron Hall from Minnesota, Clayton Toon, Arizona, Dorian Thompson Robinson in, in Cleveland. That's It's a big group. And that's where this weekend's Tommy DeVito fits in. Most likely, he's a he's going to be playing against a dynamic pass rush in Dallas in his first start. He's going to be under fire. I doubt he keeps this job. I think Ty- Tyrod Taylor will be back in three or four weeks. But still, he's getting his chance. And the New York Giants may be looking at a free flaw down the stretch regardless, so possibly but a coaching change. So maybe they do keep him, see what's going on. But anyhow, I thought it was interesting. So why are these rookie quarterbacks starting NFL games at such a high rate? There's several reasons for this. I think the most common one I would call out is historically teams had more continuity with veterans. So they would have a solid veteran behind them. And when you're looking at some of these teams, that one of the challenges, I think some of them even, they've had multiple guys go down, right? So a lot of these teams did have solid veterans. In Minnesota, you had Nick Mullins. He got hurt. In Arizona, you had had Kyler and Joshua Dobbs. Dobbs was getting beat up. Kyler actually now coming back. And then, and the New York Giants, they had they had Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor. It's interesting. In, in those three cases, you're down to your third quarterback. All the others, you're down to your second, with the exception of of Bryce Young in in Carolina, C.J. Stroud in Houston, 
And Anthony Richardson, obviously, they went out and got a really good solid backup. In fact, all those guys have pretty good backups. Gardner Minshew is keeping Indy in it. Davis Mills is actually a pretty solid role player, kind of starter, put up decent stats the last two years. He's a journeyman type, but he's a guy who could start a season for you and get you by or definitely spot start three or four games. So you've got that. But I think the big, the, the broader thing here is that what's happening is I think the there's a proliferation of complex kind of pass-friendly offensive systems at the high school and even like the seven-on-seven like middle school ranks. And that's proliferated in the college levels. And that's slowly become the norm at the professional level. So you're getting spread formations, five five receivers in the system. And so what's happening is when you get when you get guys like Tommy DeVito or Tyson Banjan or Clayton Toon, they're coming from a small school system. It's not that they're as further behind in terms of understanding concepts and they can more step in readily to run more than just a rudimentary set of basic plays. Furthermore, these younger quarterbacks, they've grown up just in these very pass-friendly spread systems, possibly in seven and seven formats as preteens, all the way in the high school and college. So their experience and comfort in understanding these route trees, progressions, just in complex defensive formations on pass plays far exceeds what quarterbacks came out of college even a decade ago. So I think in short, it's a result of a fundamental system shift at the youngest levels. These guys are playing a ton. They're throwing a ton. They're getting used to that. Even my son, he played that flag football. He's now in high school, but he, he played flag football in middle school. He was a quarterback. They threw the ball like 75% of the time. It was crazy. It was really shocking. When I graduated from high school in the 90s, our team passed less than 25% of the time. And we had a good quarterback and really good receivers. Now, this is the same school with the same high school head coach that produced Devontae Adams and a guy named Keyshawn Johnson, more recent Keyshawn Johnson, also went to Fresno State, also got drafted or was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals in the, I think the sixth round, no longer in the league. But they didn't throw that much even in the 2000s when they had Devontae Adams and Jock Peterson was the other wide receiver, by the way, the, the major league baseball player. So point being is there's been a big shift in how teams play football and how you attack defenses. And I think it's having a material impact on these younger quarterbacks. I think you're going to see higher quality quarterbacks coming out who have really good understand progression of, of the field. And quite frankly, I think you're going to see more records being broken because there's more guys that getting more reps early on, which is going to make them just better. It's the whole 10,000 hour rules, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, point. These kids are getting the 10,000 hours of reading defenses, understanding spread con- concepts and progressions and whatnot. Last thing I want to call out and I'll get into some kind of fun stuff for the week and we'll call it a, we'll call it a week is a segment that Athletic published about the Bill Belichick coaching tree and its its lack of success. I think they call it the, the Bears' imperfect fruit was what they called. I'll just to give you some stats here. He's had 10 former assistants get an NFL head coaching job. They have a combined 41% win, win percentage. They all were unceremoniously fired, with the exception of Nick Saban, who left, I think, one year into his tenure at Miami to jump back to the college ranks. They've combined for six playoff appearances and three total playoff wins. Put that in perspective, like Bill Walsh, he has tree produced 30 plus playoff appearances and two, three Super Bowl wins. And if you go below his tree, like people that succeeded from his primary coaches, you have guys like Mike Shanahan, John Gruden, and many others who are immensely successful and a bunch more Super Bowls. And ironically, one of the nuggets in the article was that Belichick read Bill Walsh's coaching guide is like basically Bible, which he wrote after he finished coaching in the early 90s. Uh, it went through in detail how you hire staff, deal with the media, set culture, and apparently that had a big impact on him. He read it. It really helped him kind of post-Cleveland establish who he was, what he was about, how would he approach things. Anyhow, that aside, I think it really came down to three core things. And I think I'm not naming these in priority, but I'll just go through them. 
One is Belichick doesn't have a transferable system that his coaches can take with them. So what they call that is he has a base defense he likes to play, but his philosophy is you adapt to each opponent you're playing and you attack them at their weaknesses. You you undercut what they can do. So a perfect example they used was the Rams in the Super Bowl a couple of years back with McVay. They were a man-to-man defensive system, but they saw that McVay's team just ate up man with the Stafford and the receiver. Sorry, it was in the golf and the receivers they had in that system. So he changed it up and attacked them where they couldn't they couldn't fight and won the game. And so it's hard because it's not a transferable system. Second is he's a dictatorial type of leader. I think this doesn't come out as clearly because people didn't want to go on the record, didn't want to talk about it. But he's a trend because he's a dictatorial leader. He doesn't really give his underlings enough responsibility to, to develop their own skills and be successful once they leave. <clears throat> and then the third, I think this might be the most relevant. I think this is the most compelling component component is maybe Belichick's not that great of a coach. He's obviously a good coach. You don't win that many Super Bowls and you don't have a team that good for so long without being a good coach and having setting culture and working your ass off and whatnot. But those assistants didn't have Tom Brady. And if you look at Belichick's record in non-Tom Brady seasons, not the season he got hurt because they were actually decent that year and he was part of the culture. But before he had Tom Brady, the year before Tom Brady started and the years in Cleveland and the years since Tom Brady left the Patriots, his record is abysmal. It's not good. It's just not good. So look, it's a fascinating topic. I want to address it because I think Belichick is, is arguably the best NFL head coach, but there is some interesting kind of chinks in the armor, some yellow flags, I'd call them. I thought it was interesting. Okay, real quick, some little fun tidbits before I let you go here. Kyler Murray claims he's back, but is Arizona, maybe they want the number one overall pick, so will they play him? I don't know. It seems like he's actually playing this weekend. I could see them shutting him down if he's actually having quite a bit of success and they're winning games, so we'll know. Second is early fantasy running back stars. You got our A-Chain coming back in week 11. You got Kyron Williams coming back in week 12. So that's, they'll be both interesting. Broncos continue to be one of the most primetime played teams. And if you watch them, it is brutal. They are terrible. Uh, what's interesting is NFL viewership is up 6% year over year. Can you imagine what it'd be if the two New York teams weren't so bad and the Broncos weren't on primetime every other week? And then lastly... Great fantasy addition to punishment. There's a league out there that forces their loser in specific instances to shotgun a can of chicken soup every week. thought that was a pretty way to uh, keep guys engaged. On that note, I hope you have a great week. Awesome week 10. Let's go have an awesome one. Wish you all best of luck. Take care. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uh, I said, Uptown.